Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins. A Go Loud original podcast. Your ultimate culinary companion. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Welcome to another edition of Dishing It Out with me, Gary O'Hanlon. And me, Gareth Mullins. And coming up on today's show, uh, we're going to be doing our fresh ingredient of the week. We'll be answering all your questions. And we have my big boss from the restaurant, Philip Camp. He's in for an interview. He's a brilliant guy. Hang around for this one because he will be going behind the scenes and all things Operation Transformation and the restaurant. And he's a great cat. Looking forward to that chat. Okay, so it's fresh ingredient of the week. Gareth, what are you going with this week, mate? Yeah, and you know, when we spoke about doing this, I was thinking, oh, I'll just say a different ingredient every week. But I want to try and give it that there's a little bit of weight in it and it's going to like improve your cookery at home. So the one thing I would say to any home cook out there that maybe is very natural to us professionals is herbs. I'm not going to pick one herb in particular, but I'm going to break herbs down into the two categories that we look at them, right? So there's a... I know you know this already, but there's uh, there's soft herbs which are your chives, parsley, tarragon, chervil, dill. There's all of those ones, and then there's your hard herbs which are your bay leaves, your thyme, your rosemary, uh, marjoram, any of those ones. So, and a general rule of thumb in cookery is that the hard herbs go in at the start. So if you're making a dish and you're sautéing off some onions, you're making a bolognese or whatever. Uh, you throw in your thyme and your bay leaf and your rosemary at that point. And then if you want to brighten that uh, bolognese, I'll use as an example, up at the very end, you'd, you'd reach for your soft herbs. So you might finish the sauce with a little bit of parsley or some freshly chopped chives or some freshly chopped basil. So I would say... What is your favourite on each kind, hard and soft? Like, which is your absolute... Not for any specific, but just in general, like that flavour that you love... My favourite soft herb is chervil. All right. Because I love that little subtle aniseed flavour that brings. Yeah. And I think it can really elevate something like a piece of salmon yeah. or a scallop. Basil or, for me. Right. And then my hard herb that I really couldn't live without, I think, is thyme. Yeah. I just think thyme has such unbelievable flavor, isn't it? Man? Oh, man. It's yeah. Mind blown. And, you know, like thyme leaves on their own, I'm going to contradict what I just said, can be added to something right at the end. But really, if you want to get the depth of flavor, and you spoke about uh, your fritamista last week or your uh, sofrito. Sofrito, yeah. Yeah, like that's where really you'd be getting your, your thyme and your rosemary in. I'm really trying to get those oils out. And it, um, it grows like Ben weeds as well, by the way. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. rosemary and thyme could grow off the side exactly. of a rock. I'd always cashew. say that, like, generally the softer herbs are harder to grow. Yeah. So they're the ones I'd be getting in little pots and leaving them on my windowsill. Mm. And then the harder ones, I'd be getting them into the ground outside. I mean, the height of the summer, a Capri salad, like, if oh, you yeah. get a, a big chunk of burrata or a buffalo milk mozzarella, vine ripened tomatoes, wee bonus if you grow them yourself. About a gallon of Villa Monadori balsamic. Have you ever had Villa Monadori yeah, yeah, balsamic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus, Incredible. you drink it out of dirty socks, sir. It's <laughs> unbelievable stuff. Yeah. It's like drinking tar. I never yeah. drank tar, but if I ever did, it'd be, you know, it'd be it'd tar. Be suck. It'd be tar, tar, <laughs> tar with a bit of flavour. But Villa Monadori, right? They do a 12 year old, a 25 year old, a 50, and, and even more. It's come from Medina in Italy. But there was one of, the, one of our suppliers in Ireland. It's, look, this isn't something that you're going to find. There's loads of other balsamics around there. But this just this one in particular, if you ever happen to see it on a menu, know that the chef has spent way more money than his financial controller wants to spend <laughs> on vinegar. But it is black gold. It is beautiful. Some beautiful flecked Malden rock salt. You could eat bit of olive oil. You could eat that, some olive oil and a crusty loaf, sir. You'd eat so that. On, what's all your day. Uh, what's your ingre- your ingredient? My fresh ingredient of the week is onions. I absolutely adore they're, onions. They're, they're probably the, do you know when I was in college and you have to do your uh, you have to do a project. I done it on onions. Did because you? we used them so much. Because right? you know your onions. <laughs> <laughs> boom boom! Look, I walked into that one, man. Look at that. Oh yeah, but I thought it'd be so easy, but uh, well, it wasn't easy. So, no. Yeah. But onions then, and what what have you a favourite? Is it a rock? Well, the thing about it, right? Oh. Yeah, well, look, probably my favourite onion of all onions would be the cipollini, um, especially from my time cooking in America. I used to yeah, do these delicious. beautiful little caramelised um, cipollinis and then I'd actually... And not to bring up balsamic again, I don't have like a mad love affair with balsamic, but I would finish them with thyme, butter, 
and balsamic, a little bit of Worcester sauce as well. It was just a, it was just something. Was garnish for it was a garnish for a filet mignon, yeah, and uh, it was like a, a black pepper crusted filet mignon, and then I had this like glazed, beautiful glazed cipollinis going on top. There was loads of other wee bits and pieces on there as well, but they're just a beautiful sweet onion. You know, if you get the right size one, obviously the Roscoff is a is a stunning onion. From working in France, I can tell you now that whatever. It is in the soil in France, but the onions coming out. If you ever get your hands on the Roscoff onions, they're they're just mind-bogglingly beautiful, you know. And I, from a, from layman's terms, or someone that isn't working in a professional kitchen, like the reason why you reach for the onions that Gary's mentioned or a shallot, you, you'll see a lot of recipes that call for shallot. Is because it sounds a bit weird, but it doesn't have a real strong onion flavour and it has sweetness. That's how you get caramelisation and flavour. Yeah. And then when you move into the bigger white onions or the Spanish onions, yeah. you need them for soup. Well, they, they be yeah. body and flavour. They need a wee bit more work. I mean, where they come into their own then, like the big large ones that we would see in most of our stores here in Ireland, like they're known as a Spanish onion. Absolutely. I mean, there isn't, we probably talked on this over previous episodes, Gareth, you know, like with your mirepoix and whatnot, like whether you're on a slow braise or you're making a, if you just envisage the foundation of a house, there isn't a soup that you make that should not have onions to begin with. Obviously, depending on what the flavour will be, you're looking at one or two per soup, unless it's obviously a French onion soup where the onion becomes a star of the show. But really, you have no foundational flavour if you're not putting some onions in there. But then the big Spanish ones that you have, there's a thing called a Lyonnaise onion, which is absolutely beautiful, which is a real low and slow way of cooking down loads and loads of sliced onion and obviously you're you might add a wee bit of sugar there's butter in there and you cook it down they're going to get this caramelized browning you could put a cartouche over the top of it <laughs> and you cook you cook them and cook them yeah. down in a heavy based saucepan on a medium heat medium to low heat for maybe an hour an hour and a half and they're coming i mean you're talking about if you had a largely crusade that was half full you would probably bring that down to about like an, an eighth of of the pot and the onions would stew all the way down and if you ever make a lovely wee beef burger or smash burger at home a nice bit of sharp aged cheddar going on that and a big heaped tablespoon of caramelized lyonnaise onions on that giddy up unbelievable flavor you know so they're just so so versatile used in soups sauces lyonnaise like i said french onion soup again is another classic just Absolutely vital to any any kitchen, any pro kitchen, especially. As it turns out, you know your onions. As I know my onions, but I tell you what, <laughs> I'm not just a pretty face. Do you know what I mean? Uh, nice one. Yeah. So that's us. Two two good ones. Today we have. I'm gonna straight out say it. The best boss I've ever had. Yeah, he's in the studio. Um, Guy that would be familiar to lots of people, but he's also the the main guy behind two of the biggest shows and best shows on Irish TV, Operation Transformation and The Restaurant. And come here, why do you think they're the best shows? Well, on the look, both I, I, I didn't want to say, I was actually going to say I'm only in one of them, but I actually was on both of them because I'm a fat bastard, yeah. <laughs> Philip Camp, how are you? Very good, thanks very much for having me in here. Yeah, brilliant to have you. So, um, look... I've been doing the show now. Well, if it was on this year, it'd be my thirteenth year. It's my, oh lo- my it's my lucky God. number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You only brought me on for one show. Yeah, and uh, well, I mean, we may as well go straight into that. Like we we can talk about right? whatever, we but brought you on for one. I was told I was be- I was just oh, we're testing you out for you for one <laughs> show. I was like going. They probably just sort of felt like, well, in case this boy's useless, we'll just tell him it's one, and it's easy to sack him. Then you know what I mean? Who was the Who was the celebrity? Uh, it was a cook off that was. George Hook and Tom McGurk. Oh, that was a break. That was a great show. Yeah, it was that a brilliant. Was a really, it was a, it was a really Christmas Day yeah. or a St. Stephen's Day special. Yeah. But halfway through filming, I remember Mark, who was our producer at the yeah. time, and Katrina came in and said, what are you doing next Wednesday? And this is what I've got to learn about the restaurant. But says, oh, when's the show coming back? When's it coming back? And I was like, honestly, you think you're never going to do TV ever again? And then the phone rings and it's, Two or three different programs could be getting made in the space of like a month or two. And it was literally meant to be a Christmas special. And then out of the blue, what you, it was a Wednesday. My casting was on a Wednesday. The following yeah. Wednesday, we're in Wineport. Halfway through that day, what are you originally doing? Originally, it was down in Wineport. Was what? It? Yeah. No, originally it was in uh, Queens and Docky. started in oh, Docky. Okay. Yeah. 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 Then it moved to Ernie's in Blackrock. Do you remember Ernie's in Blackrock? 
Anyway, it was a little yeah, little okay. restaurant, and every, actually everywhere we went to, um, they it went up for sale. So when we started in Queens, we did see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then the up, then you know, and because it would then you know home of the restaurant for sale, you know, and the properties, and then we moved to Ernie's, and then home of the restaurant for sale, wow. and then and where where did the idea for the restaurant come from? Like, the idea came from my brother's a chef, right. and he's a he's a he's a like yourselves, he's a very, he's a very very good chef. He started off in Sheen Falls. Okay. Oh Falls. wow. Was had just been had built. A star. Had just well. been built. Yeah, he he actually was part of the team that sort of went for the star, and um, he he was sort of he, he is very much like yourselves, the real deal. And actually, from knowing him, I know when I meet a real chef, like when I meet like Gary or Marco, like they'll say things like, "I I was in Chicago last week. I had the most amazing Philly steak." Like they'll, they'll everything is referenced through food. You know, yeah, yeah. it could have been a tsunami happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Philly steak was. Tell you the sandwich he had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I thought the sandwich is good, but coffee was shit. Yeah, yeah, good. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, likewise, if you speak to Marco, he'll say the same. I was in Singapore last week. The rice wasn't great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. So Paul was. Uh, Paul was in, um, he was in Sheen Falls and he, great time there. And eventually himself and a couple of the lads there decided they were going to try and go to the States. So they headed off, off to America. It was, um, it was the time of the amnesty for visa, the, oh, the yeah. visa okay, thing yeah, and that. Yeah. So it was an opportunity. They went and then he was living in America and he started working in these sort of big clubs that was executive chefs and clubs, that type of thing. And he was ringing me from America. This is way back in, you know, the literally 2001 saying uh, cooking shows have taken off here. And he said, there's a show here called Iron Chef and everybody's oh, watching amazing. it, right? And we hadn't, that hadn't come to this side of the Atlantic at the time. Like there was uh, Hell's Kitchen, I think was the first, but there was nothing like that at, at that time. And he kept saying, you got to come up with a cooking show. And I had literally no interest or knowledge, you know. I did get one or two trips down to Sheen Falls when he was there and he would put on the show and it was fantastic. And, but I didn't have, so I was just going, I, you know, and he kept saying, I'm telling you, you got to come up with a cooking show. And at the time, my whole background was entertainment. So I just finished a show, Noel's House Party. I don't yeah, remember yeah, that. Yeah. So I did Noel's House Party. So I just finished that and I was sort of moving into development. And there was a show on with Jane McDonald on BBC, which replaced Noel's House Party and it only ran for one season. And it was called Star for a Night. And I just went around and I just went in my head. I and mean, this sounds really, really stupid now when you think about it. I just said Chef for a Night. And then I just said, God, what's Chef for a Night like, you know? Mm. And... Um, so then I said, well, maybe it's a celebrity who becomes a chef for a night, blah, 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 you know. Wow. That, and was then, this. that was that was it. And at the time, I was also working for Noel Edmonds' company, um, uh, either company called Unique. And I was saying, look, I have this idea. And the, the head of of that company sort of for development was a guy called Mike Lego, um, who actually came up with Mr. Blobby and all of that yeah. sort of stuff. He was a very inventive character. And he was going, oh, yeah, there's something in this, you know. And he kept encouraging me. And he'd say, what if we put... He was going like, what if, what if this, uh, if you could get feedback so the chef in the kitchen is seeing a TV as well? Because that's where, and I was going, oh. yeah, yeah, that was very good. That's that, we could do that. TV. And, and then, uh, yeah, no, you hated it, right? And then, and then the other thing was, at the time, since my brother um, started off uh, down in Kenmare, right? We used to always go on holidays to Kenmare after that, and. And subsequently, we have a place in Kenmare. So I know Kenmare. So I had the whole, for, even though I was pitching in the UK, uh, the first series set in Kenmare. And we were going to fly a load of people in and we were going to shoot it all in Kenmare. And anyway, so we tried pitching it uh, in the UK. And some people were interested, some people weren't. But there was very little sort of reality cooking shows happening at the time. And then, lo and behold, RT put out an announcement saying they were looking for a new cooking show. And there was a brilliant commissioning editor, sadly no longer with us, Kevin Dawson, and another brilliant person, brilliant, and it's great, she is still with us, very much so, is Mary Curtis. So I sent in this restaurant idea to them and I got a call saying would I come over from London and pitch it to them. And so I remember going in and they said, look, we only have a budget for chop and chat, but there's something really, really ambitious about this idea and is there any way we can make it work? And in fairness to them, they they took the risk and uh, said, okay, we, we'll give this a shot. And the very first one was made in the out, out in Dawkey and essentially the dining room used to be turned into a disco after we finished. <laughs> right? That's what it was in the Queens. It used to sort of run a late night disco yeah. in it. Right. And we'd no remote hothead cameras. 
basically we had huge big boxes in the dining room and cameramen used to have to have to sit in the box for four oh, hours oh, filling them out through it. But the great thing was that it was an instant hit. And I remember Cahill Gowan, who's head of programs in RT, which very rarely happens now, rang the next day to say, have you, have you heard the figures? And the figures were enormous. Right. And so it was just... And what, what do you attribute that? Was there just a part of the pun and appetite out there for people to look at stuff like that? Or yeah, was it, 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 was very, it was very fresh. I think, it was, I think it was, there's a lot of things going on in it. I think from a former point of view, it sort of works because it builds across the... It was a half hour when we started off. In fact, it started off as half hour with sort of six dishes, you know? It was like... <laughs> so now it's over now. We've two starters, two mains and two desserts. But... I think what happens is it builds, you get to know the chef early on or the guest chef and what they want. Then you're sort of hoping things go well for them. Mm, or, and not. Then, or not. Then you bring in the diners. <laughs> well, I, well that, that's a yeah, lie. You're, bring, you're not hoping for anything to go well. <laughs> <laughs> then you bring in the diners. And, I, and once the diners, start, that becomes funny because, you know, everyone's a critic then, you know. And you have, Where you have, I sit for someone that doesn't know loads about the show, yeah. I listen to some geniuses giving critiques. That's exactly it, yeah. And, and, and I know a little bit about food, right? So I'd be like, someone must be talking about seasoning. I know, yeah, yeah. And, and you gotta, you got to remember, they're jacked up on drink. They can't see. Yeah. <laughs> they, 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 they can't see the cameras, really. Like the, the, There's only maybe one big Roman camera in the room. Yeah, the they, rest they, are, they don't know they've been filmed. Or mic'd up. They're mic'd so up, but they you're, forget you're about it. You're there so long, and you know we're mic'd up at half eight, nine a.m., and that mic comes off any time between 11 o'clock at night. And, well... As Sonia all day. The yeah. Sonia Lennon episode was half one in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> when yeah. the mic came off that <laughs> night for, for reasons we might get into in a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was always amazed I got it. You know, I was on my knees at the spire getting sick. I'd partied. Ireland qualified for the Euros the night before <laughs> my audition. It was in Calabria Street. And I'll never forget it. I was carrying this box of stuff. So they basically asked me to bring in a dish, cook a dish, and then either, you know, the producer or somebody there will act like the celebrity for the day and we'll sort of do like a mock pilot episode yeah. or whatever it be like a 30 minute type thing but I mean I was to meet Owen Murphy who at that time was uh, an entertainment reporter with yeah. Who's oh, yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah. and me and him we were starting to become but we were great friends now but we were kind of starting to hang out around that time because we'd done a show together with Conor Gallagher and uh, and I remember just I mean, it was one of the best nights. We beat Estonia 4-0. We cruised in, which never happens with Ireland. I'm off my box. And yeah. Just, just <laughs> out at half five in the morning. Because I was still kind of disappointed from just missing out of MasterChef. I oh, really, yeah, I really yeah, didn't yeah, want to yeah, do it, yeah, you know. Yeah. And I was like, oh, fuck, maybe, maybe I'll just not bother going in or whatever. And then rang an edge. She's like, will you cop yourself on? Like, you know, you don't do stuff like that. Like, just go and do it. And Give if you don't shit. get it, tough. And I went in. And I'd never met Katrina before. And I mean, Katrina, yeah, brilliant. We've been best friends yeah, ever since. Katrina yeah. McBride was from Donegal, the yeah. director, producer. And so she did it with me. And the two of us just got on like a house on fire. Yeah. And, and then it was a week later, I got the call to say I got I was like, what? I got it. I was like, Jesus, I can hardly remember it. <laughs> well, yeah. you, well, you've brought a lot to the show. I mean, I, I oh, always thanks. say, you know, Gary, I mean, you bring a huge amount of energy to the show. But I also think, and you, you would say, like, like there's no traps, you know. Like we're the team are very. They want the best for the the celebrities oh, yeah. taking part, and and you can see that throughout the day. Like it's a, it's a, it is a great day, but like that's why that tasting sequence that we do normally about five o'clock. It gets is, very hot and heavy. Yeah, it's very real because you don't want someone to go down in flames. Like you want someone to absolutely do the best they can, you know. Yeah, and and i think that's that's really important like well, we're, we're not that's the one thing that no one believes yeah. that it's not our menus that was like look it'd be no fun if it's my starters and yeah. steven's mains and louise's desserts and i said you know the reason the tasting can get so hot and heavy is because it is the only time it goes and from the day i met philip yourself and katrina or mark whatever and steven was has always sort of acted like you yeah. know he's he's the main man and he's always been a good chaperone in a way that look the authentic Authenticity of the show is if the menu shit, it makes a better program. It goes like the one thing you just you, you said sure, to me is there, is there is there from from a pure culinary point of view, right? Yeah, this is me, Devil yeah. Advocate. Like, is there not bits here going? Oh, definitely. But Phil, one of the first things Philip ever said to me was like, "Look, Gary." If you're given a really bad, and you're probably testing me without me really yeah. knowing, you just said, "Say no, it's." chicken wings or it's this that it was just an awful menu what are your thoughts I goes well, it's not my menu 
And he went, that's okay. And that's all you said yeah. was, that's okay. And you walked away, you kind of went grand. Um, so you were about to say something? Yeah, else. no, I, I think the, the best shows are the ones where, um, are the ones where the, the person, the celebrity coming in has a vision for their menu. Right, I think what we find is that, like, I remember Amanda Brunker came in and she got five stars. Yeah, you know, she Amanda she, got five stars. Yeah, she did. She, she was before my time, but yeah. I, I, I yeah. Know. Oh, she worked on restaurants. Yeah, but like, but Fintan, got, yeah, Fintan O'Toole got five stars. You know, Kevin Myers was on fire in the kitchen. You know, he's like, but he knew exactly what he wanted. You know, and I think, and like, a, a very a, a good example of that is. Uh, Teresa Lowe's husband Frank McNamara Frank McNamara right? yeah. we rang Teresa Lowe to see that she wants to do the show and uh, she said look you've actually rang the wrong person yeah. she said my husband has been waiting <laughs> he's, 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 yeah. he's waiting for he's the call waiting, for years. <laughs> he's been waiting for this call for years because when we go out for an, ev- an evening meal he'll end up in the restaurant talking to the chef right okay right? He, that's all he wants right, right. and so, needless to say, we rang his number yeah. and said, Frank, do you want to do the yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. Boom. And like, yeah, menu yeah. meeting within an hour, within the hour, right? And in fairness, like, it's probably one of the, it's one of the best shows and funniest shows and I've never seen so much alcohol used in, in so many dishes, right? <laughs> but he went, he literally went down in flames because he tried all these extreme dishes, right? Aww. Right? But it was a brilliant show because he was so passionate about it, right? And in fairness, the team allowed him Put out the dishes Made that he off. wanted to put out. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, you got to like that's the that's the one thing. Like, is you know, you get a menu, they give a menu, right? So the only part, I suppose, that that maybe people don't. We order the food, and then Orla is the food producer. We give Orla the the order. But what what you also have to do is you you look at their menu, you look at the dish, you do not deviate from it. But then you look at it and you say, right, he or she's going to cook this such and such a way, and that's going to be awful. So what would I do with that dish? Because in the middle of the day, especially for me on starters, as I've learned, it took, I was saying a few episodes back, it probably took me three seasons to really learn A, how to handle Stephen, and B, how how to cope with the show in a sense that, you know, nothing runs on time, everything runs over. The door opens whether I'm ready or not. And in fact, if I'm not ready, the door opens even quicker. And then I learned that from your smoked face going out to the truck. Enjoy the show. Have a good show. Is the last thing he says, and I'm looking at him, going, "Sure, I'm not ready. I'm yeah, not yeah. fucking ready." Do you know, <laughs> he just laughs. He out to the truck to watch it, and you know, you're just there, but you think, right? Well, this is going to be such and such going to be really dry. I'll order a wee bit of this, a wee bit of that, because there's no going. You might run up to Donnybrook and maybe get a shop open or do whatever, but you might have 20 minutes to fix seven hours of work. That's right. So that. 15 minutes of waste that somebody's running but you're in you're in a restaurant so there's a larder there like if you need more olive well they take out all of their food and we bring our food there'll be some dry ingredients but you you don't really go rooting in another you don't leave lobs of foie gras around no 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 no, (laughs) and anyway it would be rude to be touching it no 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 no, no. we don't we don't touch anything that's that's not belonging that we haven't ordered ourselves you know what I mean and come here does your brother know that like yeah no he does yeah no credit before yeah, no, and he went on. He now he, he coached the American culinary team. You know, they, well, you know, they have this culinary Olympics yeah, thing in, around the in world. Paul Bocuse, yeah, so Bocuse star, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So he he did wow. one in Frankfurt and that. So yeah, no, he's done really well. But yeah, no, he so he I'd send him over episodes and and that and then he he when he was in Sheen Falls, they all went over to Marco's restaurant when he was young. So he idolizes Marco, you know. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I got to tell the Marco story, right? So the the one part of the program that we never have an idea about is who the guest chef is. So I remember standing in one night and it was... The guest uh, critic. Yeah, the the guest, guest critic, critic, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, the guest critic. And it was, what do you call her? Uh, the state pathologist. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she was an amazing woman. Scottish lady. Oh, yeah, she's yeah, yeah, just yeah. unbelievable crack man, right? I mean, so upbeat for the role that she had at the time, right? Yeah. Uh, Professor Cassidy. And yeah, uh, I was there. She had a like a duck liver thing on or whatever next thing you can hear John and there's a 10 second delay next thing like introducing our guest critic tonight Marco Pierre White and I'm standing there right and I froze (laughs) and I went I looked over at Stevie and I went fuck off no way or whatever and then I walked over and I looked up at the TV and I turned I walked into the walk-in right and I could feel my eyes welling (laughs) up right it's the first time (laughs) in my life I was just like any kids born oh, yet? No. Oh my god! <laughs> the first like, time oh I my god! I goes. Oh, I'm really on TV now. I goes. This is fucking unbelievable. 
And I came back out, and Steve was there, and I was like, he was like, holy shit. And I was like, <laughs> never mind, holy shit. He goes, I have to cook this shit for him now. He goes, like, this fucking parfait's bollocks. He goes, I can't get it to set. Anyways, we're all there cooking away, cooking away, cooking away. Now, every night, every night on the show, right, there's some prick of a chef brought in to get photographs with us. Now, no offense to all of you, right, but you're standing there, you're trying to clean down, you want to get a scoop in, or you want to go back to your hotel. At this time, we were in Wineport, right, so it was always a wee bit of crack. A lot of people would stay over when the show was in Wineport. Anyways, we're all standing in the kitchen, 10 minutes goes by, 20 minutes goes by. Philip comes in then to give us a wee bit of a rundown, all the cameras are winding down. And, uh, and I was like, well, Philip, like, with all due respect, like, where the fuck's Mark? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. goes, what do you mean? Like, did you want to meet him? We're like, oh yeah, you're funny. And I was like, what do you mean? And he goes, he's gone. Like he he oh, had to bring he, him in. He had to rush off no. to the airport. I was like, no, no, no. I says, do not, do not say that. <laughs> and we we meet we meet the chef every single night. I goes, arguably one of the greatest chefs that's ever lived. I'm sick looking at the prick now, by the way. Yeah. But, but for the very, very first time that he's on the show, I actually could have punched you in the face that night. Yeah, I actually yeah. could not believe. Well, I remember I remember he came down because we got word he wanted to come down. We'd never m- met before. And it was in Wineport, so it was down at Lone. Was he opening? Uh, was that I was think he was there? coming. Yeah, it was a P. So his PR people said this would be a good show to do, right? Yeah, and about to land him yeah, the and they, they forgot to tell him that it's in Athlone. So he was a bit grumpy by the time he arrived. He didn't know the journey was so far. It's not that far, but far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, but yeah. It was yeah. enough to make him grumpy. <laughs> so I was directing in the truck, and I got called saying that Marco it doesn't want to do the show. He's going home. Right, that was Stop. the first. So, will you come out? So I jumped out of the truck and went around <laughs> and met him for the first time. And he said, and he said um, in his voice, "I hate television." Right, <laughs> yeah. right, right. He said, "You're going to be asking me to do things. Take two, take three, take four. He said, "I'm just not doing any. Take two, take three. I said, "Marco, do you know the thing about this show? There's no, there's only, there's only one take. You just go in, you have the meal, then you stand up and leave at the end." And he said, "I don't believe you." And I said, "I'm not going to give one instruction for take two. You just go in there, have your meal, and talk and talk to the other two critics." Right. And so he goes in, he does it, and sure enough, finishes the meal. Mary Casti comes out. He's so charming to her. Yeah. Gives her, I think she's got three stars, right? And then then as soon as we applaud, that's it. Out in the out car, he's gap. gone. And I said, God, he's gone. Was, was he upset? And then the next day I got a call from him. You got a call that night because your phone rang and Marco's name yeah, came up. Yeah, came and up. I was like, let me talk to him. I'm half jacked <laughs> yeah, up yeah, at yeah, stage. Yeah. <laughs> and he said he really enjoyed the show and... Uh, and he, I was right. There was no retakes, and he's never had an experience like that before. And if an opportunity ever comes up again, he'd like to well, take part. Cool. Yeah. yeah. My brother, my brother would go on saying, like they, when they went over, he was the god. You know. He oh, was, he was the, But look at some of the chefs that came through his kitchen. Yeah. It was a really epic photograph with uh, Gordon Ramsay is in it. Marcus Waring is in it. Yeah. Uh, like all of these, oh, yeah. yeah. Jason Atherton is Atherton, in it. Yeah, they've like all, all of these. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Michigan yeah. star chefs. Yeah. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Giving you a helping hand with your food frustrations. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. Dishing It Out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Subscribe for free on the Go Loud app and never miss an episode. Go Loud. Sounds better with us. And then in, in the, your next big show that you do here, so it's a, such a gear change from cooking into health, That's I suppose. It. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. We put on weight in the restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I mean, we were talking about but it just it, before it, we that came evolved, on here. It, uh, like, it's a massive amount about food food really is the is the center of i mean look i did the celeb version and i don't feel like a celeb but i did it a few years ago yeah absolutely but i mean i'd always been a footballer up until obviously recently and everything else but i never realized that i mean i never had as much in all my life as the one takeaway i had yeah the program. yeah and Aoife's Aoife's menus and food w- was brilliant but i mean food's a huge part of operation transformation it, it, it is yeah i mean what we've done very much so, particularly over the last three to four years, is we've tried to really show the separation from exercise and food. So in other words, 
exercise is is a thing in itself that you like if you my dad's 90 92 I better get it right and he's still out chopping wood down in Offaly you know um so because he moves every day like he builds movement into his life so movement is crucial so forget about weight you know keep moving but the know? message in it with the show is yeah my dad's in his 80s and yeah. we put a gym in his back garden for his 80th birthday because he trained his whole life and Huge it was in and around COVID and he couldn't get to the gym. Yeah, and yeah. You know, and he, it's been bred into me since yeah. I was yeah. a child about I played squash, I swam, yeah. I played football and it's still a huge part of my life. Yeah. Now, but and that, that and that, should, that doesn't have anything... I mean, in my mind, that has that's equally important to to losing weight. Do you know what I mean? Like, like the fact that your dad is out in the gym and moving yeah. is crucial. Yeah. And then the other thing is, we, we do another show called The Clinic for Well People and we had a great doctor on it last year and he was, he was meeting people and he said, there are two things you can control in your life. You can't control, most doctors when you go into them, they go, eh, what's your family medical history? You can't control that, right? You're, you're stuck with your genes, but you can control what you eat and movement. They're yeah, the your two, fork and your feet. Yeah, they're your two <laughs> variables, right? <laughs> and, and one of the biggest things is your fork yeah, yeah you know? big time. so so that's really and really the, the what we find as, astonishing is that the people who come forward unlike the the celebrity version right but the people who come forward to take part in operation transformation every year they normally don't have a good connection with food i.e they don't cook they just don't cook yeah. right they don't so that sort of idea of spending half an hour preparing a meal in the evening is is not part of their lives. Mm. And over eight weeks, if you're able to get them interested in that mm. and show them that, you know, through cooking, you're going to be healthier. You know, you're going to mm. have a, like, like just peeling a potato, yeah, you, you know, see, eating an apple. Us, we just think that that's like, like, what do you mean? You know, I mean, and I've worked with loads of people as well that order takeaways four, maybe five yeah. a week. But when COVID hit, the reason takeaways open is, I think they said like, over 25% of the country's populations gets their calories from takeaways. Yeah, I know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, unbelievable. They could not close takeaways because a quarter of the country potentially could have starved. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, cook. yeah. So that's why I think it's really important that people engage with food. Do you know what I mean? You yeah, like it literally takes the country by storm, like the supermarkets and yeah, everyone's yeah. talking about it. Schools. You know, we're in schools this year. It was a five k, yeah. like the five k run. The Park, exactly. yeah, well, there's yeah. one guy was on around. I live in Swords around. Oh, the brilliant! Me. Oh, yeah, and you Swords. can see oh, the volume. Yeah, yeah. Swords. There was a, fr- a friend of mine did it last year. Thomas <coughs> Hines in Granard. I live in Granard. Yeah. You know, and and like all the local GA clubs and the walks, you Fair. see them all. And it's it's brilliant for the local community. You know, which then but leads me on to. He went on and did the marathon. Yeah, he as did. you have done, as well, I've done. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. but like, because you must mention that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, listen. Whenever, whenever you, whenever you run one, whenever yeah, you run one, yeah, you can yeah. scoff at me, right, fat uh, boy. Yeah, yeah. But if you're not able to finish a marathon, don't be coming at the game. Right. Don't be uh, coming at me, man. I'm just right. a fucking machine. You. I'm just a machine. You never I don't know when to stop. Either. I don't know how to stop, man. Do you know what I mean? But like, how does the show get criticism then? But you don't think it's as big. We, we before we came on air, you said it seems to me from the outset I'd be quite defensive of you and the program in it because I'm like going. How can anybody think that this program is bad in any way? I, th- I think what we find now is because the show is so popular, and we're, we're you know we're very grateful f- for the fact that so many people engage with it every year, and like GA clubs across the country light up their you know yeah. floodlights so people yeah. can walk around, and but I I think the the reality is anyone else who wants to sort of make noise if they stick Operation Transformation into what they're saying it elevates their cause, yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I think that's, we get we get sort of caught up in sort of people want, and let's face it, January and February, everyone's trying to get their weight loss. Is that or, intentional that you launched it at that time? Or? I, it, yeah, it was always January, February. Okay. Uh, and, but actually it's been going out in Wales for the on S4C for the last couple of years and they do it in April. And I, right. I remember when they told me April, I said, God, is that going to work? You know, but it has worked for them, you know? But um, I think it's just a perfect time, January, February, people are ready for that reset, yeah. you know? And it's sort of eight weeks by the time we finish, the days are brighter. And it's really I've better. done the, the 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 end dinner for you a few times. And yeah. I've had them in the restaurant and I've had oh, them right, on the brilliant. rooftop. And, yeah. You know, I've done different stages yeah. of it. And, yeah. But no, Catherine quite But I mean, you only have to see the joy. Whenever Catherine does it's, the I've little... I've never heard any... Like, yeah, I was actually shocked when you said outside that there was any type of negative. I know. Content. Like, I've never I, heard that. We, we yeah. constantly get it now, you know? Yeah. But like you look at the happiness and the people that get selected when Catherine does them wee videos when she appears. I mean, 
they react as if like Jesus, my life is going to change here. Yeah, and most yeah. times, for the most part, it does change. Change because really, what all you're doing is you're you're teaching people, are not in the nicest possible way. What you're doing is saying, oh, if over eight weeks we can get you to eat like regular meals, engage with food, yeah. make, cook it yourself, yeah. right, um, and build exercise into your life, then there's a chance after those eight weeks that you'll continue it on, right? And a lot of them do, you know, mm. and. You know, some people come to us and go, we want you to list off every leader you have on the show and give us their weight now. And I go, well, hang on, that's not the way to do it. If, I, if someone comes on the show 12 years ago, I don't have the right to ring them up now and yeah, say, yeah. what weight are you? They might have had some trouble in their life. They might have. Yeah. yeah. So that doesn't wash. I mean, what we, what we do know is that, you know, the things that we bring up on the show are, and I think the, the great thing about the show, which, and like, is that we step into your lives, right? Yeah. So we had the cameras in your house. Yeah. So it's not only about weight loss it's about uh, work life balance is a huge thing you know it's it's about relationships do you know yeah. what I mean well, Nettie Nettie slagging the shade out of that's me that's it do you know what I mean and I think that's but that's evolved into yeah. that. at the start it was very much about yeah at the, the start it was, it was losing weight and there was weight targets but now very much it's it's about and, and funny enough like every year 20 like we get about three to four hundred people apply to take on the show really is that that right? big a number yeah wow, and man. then we would have steadily we bring 25 of those people to to DCU to be tested for, you know. And I would say, you know, out of the 25, I would say more than half of those, right, their life is just out of kilter, right? And it's no surprise, you know, you have two working parents, you have kids. So you'll see it in tonight's episode, actually, you know, up at half five in the morning, dropping the kids to the creche, going into work, coming home, you know, you're banjaxed at seven o'clock. Of course. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And people and people are going, Jesus, my life isn't working at the moment. And mm-hmm. some ways we're able to come in sometimes and just go, well, let's just look at it, you know? And part of that is food. Part of that is exercise. Huge part of that is Dr. Eddie. You know, quite often yeah, we ask... Oh, he, he's amazing. Quite often, he, yeah, uh-huh. yeah we, we'd ask the leaders when the show finishes, who is the most important expert to you? And they all go, Eddie. Eddie. Really? Yeah. yeah. Eddie just will help you think about your life, you know, mm. which is... I spoke to Eddie after the show. Yeah. Yeah. Because most of the... Very few of us get that chance. Do you know what I mean? To sort of take a retreat from your life, you know, because, you know, you're always on to the next thing. You're always mm. on to the next thing. And it, so it's a moment of time to say, this isn't all adding up. And actually, I'm not enjoying it, right? Mm. So are there things I can do to change it? And I think... That's I think that's the biggest value of the show. You know, it's because we're all living, you know, our lives are are changing all the time. You know, phones have us dancing, you know, yeah. like we constantly see people on their phones every 10 minutes, you know. We there's very little peace in people's lives. And in a way the show comes along and says, you know, when you're having a when you're when you're having food, enjoy it. Yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of people with me sure. they run into Apple green or certa, whatever, right? Yeah. Stuff in a sandwich and they don't even remember what they've eaten 10 minutes later, right? Yeah. Imagine if they took half an hour of their life and enjoyed that sandwich. Yeah. And then they might go, that's not a great sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I wish I had a better sandwich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean? yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think that is it, you know? Yeah. But also I think what's, what really comes across big time within the show for me is the sense of community. I love seeing when you the Gaelic pitches and because yeah. it's part of my own life. You know? My kids yeah. are mad into sport. Yeah. And, and swords is fantastic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, swords, like when you, know? you go around on a Saturday morning and you see either whatever local sports team yeah. there and there's literally a hundred children out there kicking the ball yeah, yeah. yeah, and you're walking the dog or whatever you're doing and yeah. you're just kind of going oh, it's incredible it's you know like and if you're stuck in a rut yeah. that you don't actually go down to the park and see that yeah. if you, you still get, do the run at the end like where they all do, yeah, yeah. yeah we do that's the in five, Phoenix, five park. Phoenix Park yeah Gary yeah. will do that at yeah, five Gary, five <laughs> five <laughs> I'll do I'll go around a couple of times I couldn't fucking lap the house at the minute <laughs> but I think being a chef is so difficult no but you know like, what I was going to say was is that you know within the environment that I'm in yeah, you have to make a very conscious decision but I manage a big team right yeah. that eating and food is is a, is a part of their day because yes. you can very easily graze yes. you can very easily make an excuse to say that you're too busy a lot of chefs traditionally drink a lot of coffee or those Sugary yeah. sports drinks are a I big know, thing that come into kitchens. Yeah, 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 yeah. And as well, you're like a, a professional kitchen 
is a is a competitive environment, a good one, right? Yeah. Because you want them in there competing against each other, because you're trying to push on yeah. and get excellence. Yeah. Right. So, um, when I was younger and I was coming up through my career, my diet was terrible. Yeah. But then I got to a point where I took on a business coach and I took on a to to help me manage how I was approaching my day. I was wondering why I was feeling a bit tired. And the t- and then yeah. I really dialed into my fitness. I really dialed into my wow. food. I diary the way I exercise now. Yeah. Like I diary a, a, a financial review or yeah. I di- diary an appraisal for somebody. Like fitness and food is part of my yeah. everyday life. Yeah. And I, I just say that and people are like, but you're a chef. I know. And I go, yeah, but I work in, you know, a very quick environment. You forget where what you're eating. Sometimes you forget yeah. to eat. And these are all things that I would, if you worked for me, you would have heard me talking to you about this. So I would be like, did you eat today? How do you expect to go into service now like with a sharp mind if you haven't eaten fed yourself? So, yeah. you know, so these are all conversations that I think are changing within our environment. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stereotypes around chefs that, you know, that we don't treat our people well, we make know, them well. Know, yeah, That's yeah. all nonsense yeah I know it's nonsense. you know like yeah. I work for a big multinational where yeah. we really care about our people yeah and I have facilities to be able to talk to a psychologist if I wanted as an employee assistance program that we can get our access to right. all of our people have and but not only that like I'm involved in loads of different things around health in the hotel yeah. so there's a run concierge service in the hotel so yeah. if you're a business traveller and you come to and you're coming to Dublin and you've never been the chef will actually go for a run with you. I often meet guests. Go away. Yeah, yeah, it's part of what... Now, there's not only me, there's a, there's one of the lads on front office doing right. it. jumped in a water bath with one Wim Hof last week. Tor- <laughs> last <laughs> Yeah, half six in the morning, I was in a water bath on, on the roof. On the roof. Off the market with Wim Hof. And then I go went downstairs away. and I done a run with 70 people that were at the Pendulum Summit. And when I got down there... And how long was, was it? Did you have 5K, was it? Or, I yeah. ran it, we ran yeah. it. But yeah. Bit, oh, yeah, yeah, funny yeah. Bit, I got down there, there's a fella called uh, Charlie Ingle. He's an ultra runner, right? Yeah. And I was talking to him through Pendulum that we were yeah, going to yeah. do this. And Charlie said, will you be involved in the run? And I was like, yeah, of course I will. Yeah, sure, run anyway. And so yeah, yeah. I went, I grew up into this ice bath at Wim Hof. Yeah. I was kind of on the hoof a little bit. I hadn't even got my gear with me, so I just threw out me. I was waiting yeah, yeah. downstairs to do this run, took me runners off. I get in and me runner shorts. How could I yeah, pass yeah, with yeah, the yeah, opportunity? Yeah. Then I went downstairs, me nicks were still wet, me running shorts were still wet. I walked outside, right? <laughs> and there were 70 people, and your man goes, and here's our running guide. And I was like, fucking running guide? <laughs> what? <laughs> so I was like, hell yeah, yeah, I got a guide just so I, and anyway, off I went. I'm yeah. Dublin, obviously, yeah, yeah. ran down down the end of the Grand Canal, out onto the Liffey. Oh, I was looking brilliant. back over my shoulder. There's another guy called uh, John Regan, who's a, he's another ultra runner, and he yeah. was with uh, Sinead Kane, who's the blind girl. Oh, yeah, done yeah, those. Yeah, She'd yeah. done seven marathons yeah. on seven continents, on seven days. So myself and Sinead and uh, John ran along, and that fella, he wanted a zigzag back because yeah. he wanted to talk to everybody. Right. But that's what working as a professional that's really driven and cares about and that's why I like Operation Transformation yeah. because the messaging in there is not just about dropping calories no, it's, it's not, not just no, about yeah. movement no. it's about everything it's everything that's it, it it's is a everything. really holistic approach yeah, it is, yeah. and I like that about yeah. it you know so well, yeah. the, thing, the, thing, the, the thing that I found when way back when my brothers had come up with a like I was in show business <clears> at the time and doing Noel's house party and all that sort of stuff right. That way I waved so, my hands like that. Yeah, I, I, was, I was Mr. Jazz Hands, right? Yeah, I was yeah. Jazz Hands. But actually, the, the the first night we did the restaurant, I realised you're putting on a show. For sure. Right? That's what a restaurant and, is. And that was, the, I just said, this is perfect. It's it's a perfect two worlds colliding, right? So in other words, at seven o'clock, the curtain goes up and we're putting on a show, right? But the flip side of that is when the show is over, which happens in telly as well, you go to the green room, you have your beers and all of that. And... So if you're not careful, it can become a quite a... Because you are you guys are putting on a show every night. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, you, and therefore, slope. you have an up, but you also have a down, you know? And I think that's the hard thing. But I think to, the, smart, the smart leaders in kitchens out there acknowledge that. And they talk about that. Yeah. Like, you know, like I made a decision very early on in my career that 
the pub wasn't going to be my yeah, come down. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, I've either, never been one for. Like, neither have I. But yeah. uh, there's a lot. Oh, of gee, oh yeah. Right? I mean, a huge amount, you yeah, know. Yeah, but my, my. Like, I drive a bike, so going home on my bike is my little bit. Yeah, of, yeah, yeah. Got a bit of headspace. Well, yeah. whenever, whenever it used to be filmed in Wineport, there was a lot of. Ah, there was, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. a lot of temptation yeah. because yeah. a lot of the people that were on as guests that night, I mean, we feed the got to 60 people every night, but they probably used to do packages for them to stay over. Yeah. But I remember coming out there and like they'd be there getting pictures because they all over the years get to know myself and Stephen and yeah. Louise and once those doors open and you come out you get mobbed you know what I mean yeah, yeah. and uh, you're like geez what's going on here like you literally feel like you've just finished service yeah, whether yeah. it's the marker the chateau wherever it may be I still I open a restaurant every single day. I'm absolutely bollocks. Where's <laughs> yeah. my bed? Right? And then fucking 20 women come running over for selfies. You're just oh, you're like, 14. Jesus Christ. It was 30, it was 30 years ago. It <laughs> <laughs> so matters in half. Yeah. Is, you know what With I mean? that being said, yeah. we have a little tradition on the podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I can, you've actually hit it from us very well. So yeah, yeah. You no. bring in a cookbook. So what have you got? So I brought it. It's, it's called Chef. Uh, my my Italian isn't great. Chef pour un giorno. So it's chef for, chef for a day. I think it's just, it's one that we have in the office really to tell us that we came up with a good idea because <laughs> essentially it's on, on our little Vision Independent Productions on the back. This is the book they brought out in Italy based on the show. No way. Oh, so wow. It's, it's a lot of uh, celebrity recipes from Italians and they brought this out initially. So it sort of reminds us every when day. When you mention it, actually, that, is the that's rest- not a bad idea. Is the restaurant in a few different countries? Yeah, it went, when it went to Italy on LA7 was the channel and it went there for about seven seasons and then it went to Slovenia after that. We nearly got it away once in Germany, but the problem in Germany was that the, and actually this is the problem with the, well, not the problem with the format, but Germany had a sort of Gordon Ramsay character who was looking for a new show but he wants to be in the kitchen. And the problem was he wanted to be across every dish. And right. as Gary knows, can't the person that. who has to be the star of the show is the celebrity. It's the celebrity, yeah. And we just said it can't be sort of a Gordon Ramsay telling the celebrity what to do every two minutes, you know? Yeah. And he was getting very, he's a Michelin star chef in, in Cologne and he was getting very upset every he's time. He's getting a bit dish. excited, was he? Bless yeah, him. yeah. So we just, that didn't work. So I, I got to ask you, not because I'm looking for work, but <laughs> yeah. is, the show, is the show coming back? I mean, literally, we every time you bump into somebody, they're always asking. I mean, it's always one of those ones where it's, it. you think it's never happening and then, yeah, the phone well, that's, rings. That's the way. It, that's the way it is. Is for us. We we only hear about it if sort of if, it, if Virgin Media come along. And yeah, say we're ready for more. Uh-huh. I mean, they they're repeating lot the lots of the things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. Anyway, Philip, look, thanks very much okay, for coming. No in. Great crack, great okay. conversation. Brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. brilliant. To Gary, you are right. okay. amazing guest. I told you he was yeah. a, he was absolutely a great brilliant. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, thanks very much. No, thanks cool. for having us. Cheers, Phil. So, it's producer Ed. Hello. At, at the hockey, we have a new man on the decks. Yeah, I know. And uh, <laughs> he has got our culinary conundrums. What do yeah, you got I'm for us, I'm glad this isn't live radio saying culinary conundrums. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I get myself stuff. taken off air. <laughs> Very quickly. Actually, coincidentally enough, this is mad. Some of the questions that came in, you've already kind of brushed against some of these topics already oh, cool, in, yeah. in the episode. This is good. Uh, Gary, you'll get a bit of crack out of this one. Hello, Gary and Gareth. Firstly, congrats on the pod. We're absolutely loving it up here in Donegal. My question is actually on behalf of my daughter. She has started seeing this lovely fellow. It's like an agony ant one. <laughs> yeah. She started seeing this lovely fellow from Dublin, but there's a potential issue. He doesn't eat fish, which, as you can imagine, is shocking to anyone from Killybegs. Oh, gee. I'm just wondering if you have any adv- advice at what dishes we can try to help him see the error of his ways? My husband, wait for it, is a very proud fourth-generation fisherman, and she's genuinely worried that he'll take against the poor lad because of it. <laughs> that comes in from Nula in Killybegs. Well, the first mistake, Nula, that you made is going out with a dub. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, first, first notch against you there. Well, <clears throat> this is a problem, I think, that's in a lot of households. I mean, when... You know, Philip was chatting earlier when we interviewed him, you know, like he's a pescatarian, fish is a big part. I think Al Foran, when we interviewed him as well, they eat tons of fish, you know. And then and Greg was in and he yeah, fish Yeah, and up. we were quite taken aback because, you know, it's you just don't uh, hear it too much. The one thing I would say, I suppose, if you want somebody to start eating fish right away is to stay away from the funky monkey stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. So 
maybe don't go down the mackerel track right away. Don't be going down like tuna niçoise right away, whatever. Start with maybe a darn of salmon, you know, or a or a piece of cod. Either you incorporate that as a as a fish and chips. Make a simple little batter with self raising flour, white pepper, fine sea salt, and the coldest sparkling water. I recommend Ballygown because it's got a real good high carbonation. And if you pour in really ice cold Ballygown, whisk it up until you get a thick milkshake type consistency. Run your piece of cod through seasoned flour in through that tempura batter, take off the excess and deep fat fry that at 170 degrees and make your own fish and chips. It's absolutely beautiful. Cod is a really, really gorgeous or whiting or ling or haddock, all equally, heck as well, all equally is as good. But salmon, I find I find salmon, you know, it's kind of more meaty. It doesn't have a very fishy smell or fishy taste. Sometimes it can be the smell when it comes to fish or the texture that pitch you off. But pan fried, never mind poaching or pan fried salmon, finished with a wee bit of butter, maybe some capers, and uh, lemon juice is really really nice. But that's where I would be going uh, for the first rattle at some fish. Yeah, and I would all, just to add to that a little bit, I'm not going to give you a recipe, but find out something that he does like. Mm. So if he likes, you know, a chicken burger or whatever, then I'd be going after putting it in breadcrumbs. Or, and I would 100% say it need you need to start with in the white fish family. So all the ones that Gary said there, uh, cod or haddock or hake or whiting. Yeah. And then the next thing that's absolutely critical if someone doesn't eat fish, it has to be as fresh as you can get your hands on. Yeah. So go into your local fishmonger and tell them what's going on and ask them what's the freshest on the counter yeah. and then start with a little small piece of it and then just build it in and if you can if he really likes a t- tomato sauce or whatever then yeah. right, go after go after that route so I would say that's my general approach to anybody that doesn't like something I try and find out what they do like and then row in behind sneak that. it in sneak yeah. it in exactly <laughs> gateway it yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hi Gareth and Gary loving the podcast it seems to be a common theme I have a question for you both. I'm cutting back on the takeaways for January, but still want to keep up the tradition of our Friday night Indian. I've been trying various recipes and sticking them to the letter, but then just not hitting the mark. I was wondering if you had any tips or tricks to elevate my curries. I should add, we do like them hot and spicy. That comes in from Tracy in Navin. I'd say what's missing here, like if you're following a recipe, it's mm. just seasoning. Is that it? I'll bet you you're not putting enough salt in, you're not finishing it with a little squeeze of lemon or lime juice. And I'll guarantee you, if you... So I've I've taught a lot of cookery through the years, right? Over COVID, I was running an online cookery program. And what I'd always try and get people to do is take a mental note before you season something. So I want you to taste the curry, think about what's just happened, then add in a little bit of salt, stir it in, taste it again, and see what happened. Did the chilli get brighter? Can you taste the cumin a bit more now? The answer to them is yes, right? And then all you're going to do then... You, once you think you have the salt end of it right then you're going to go in and throw in a little bit of acidity so you're going to squeeze in a half a lemon and then you're going to taste it again and straight away all of those wonderful spices that if you follow the recipe about frying off the onions and garlic and ginger and then you add in your spices then you add in your tomato and your coconut milk probably if it's an Indian curry those little techniques right at the end yeah. is going to bring you straight to Delhi yeah. there you go yeah <laughs> you you would be amazed at just some of the things Gareth just said there. Salt, pepper, lemon juice, lime juice, yogurt, and I'm going to throw in one more, fresh coriander. Yeah, exactly. All of the above, right? You'd be amazed at the, the difference that any one of those six ingredients will do to a, a curry or an yeah. Indian-type dish. So let's specifically chat about this here. I was always amazed when I met Annette first, you know, when be out for food or she'd be in Viewmount House or I'd be cooking for her and her buddies, whatever. She'd have no problem at home or telling me something wasn't right or needed this or needed that, needed whatever. Then she'd cook her own shit herself <laughs> and it would be disgusting, right? <laughs> and you think to yourself, do you know all you have to do is the same thing you do whenever I'm paying for dinner or I'm cooking you dinner is you taste it with your own gob and then you say, you know what, this is disgusting. What do I need to do here? It's as simple as taste, taste, and taste again. You hit the nail on the head, Gareth. And that's the truth, Ed. Mm. 
people lo- just lose the ability to taste whenever they're making something. Which you know what I think happens is, is it pe- that they're too close to it? Is it no? Well, people just get so caught up in yeah. the recipe and everything. Mm. Yeah. They forget and look at it happens in professional kitchens. The hardest thing to train to a commie chef when they come in is getting them to taste every single thing. Wow. And yeah. the thing that you're trying to train them is one to develop their own palate, but also the chef that puts the food onto the plate, that's your last opportunity to fix whatever it is, to adjust the seasoning. So it just becomes habit, or you have to get it to become habit, yeah. that everything that goes on, every sauce, soup, it's salad, yeah. veg, is tasted. Great. And you adjust, the, you adjust those things. It really is that simple. Like It's just, Incredible, it's just it? effort. Like you just, I mean, if you ever watch Ramsey and he's up at the pass there and the famous Hell's Kitchen, something comes up. And he's, and he's like, the whole time. what's missing? What's, I mean, that role is so pivotal because like you're literally the ringleader. Everything's going out. You're just like, for God's sake, did you actually try this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cold yeah. or it's whatever or it's hot. But or it's, it's not salty. meant to be. Too much it's salty. salty. That's yeah. fascinating isn't it? that you lose contact with the yeah, that you're so making a, yourself. a lot of amateur cooks at home, as Gareth said, they, they get caught up with trying to make the curry's consistency right, or they get caught up with trying to not burn it or make sure that it looks the right, it's the right color, whatever. And then they're like, going, Did you actually try this? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fucking rotten. <laughs> you know what I mean? Would you taste it? Just take a second, stay cool, stay frosty, dip in a wee spoon. No double dipping, oh. dip in a spoon, get rid of it, and away you go. But taste, taste taste again great stuff one more this comes in from Dermot Joyce in Cavan I have two questions alright I'm going to start growing my own herbs this year actually we touched on this earlier yeah. and first on my to-do list is basil I'm looking for creative ways to use it beyond pesto any unique recipes or flavour pairings you'd recommend with basil and my second question is that do you have any advice on the best way to store and keep herbs fresh for as long as possible from Dermot well the, I'll, I'll go with the keeping them fresh first and foremost. You, you got basil as a starter, never put it in your fridge. And if you do put it in the fridge, maybe have it in the door. Definitely don't have it at the back mm. near a fan. They'll go black and it kills it. Like a, a, a fan power alone will actually damage basil leaves. If you have kitchen towels, what you want to do with them is just run them under cold water and you wrap the basil pot with the, with the damp kitchen tiles leave them on a window then because they're going to get a wee bit of heat and obviously you'll have the water so those pots that you buy in Dunn's and Tesco and all the other stores when you use those leaves don't throw the pot in the bin put it in the window have it on a base tiny wee bit of water and then wrap the leaves like wow. I said don't have it in a very hot area like you you kind of basil in particular is very volatile to both too much heat and too much cold it's got to be a fine line the rest of them I would just say Get little J cloths. You'll see them in the sections uh, where you you buy the kitchen roll and toilet paper and cling film and all that in any store. They're brilliant because they can hold the water longer. If it's chives or if it's flat leaf parsley or curly parsley, you just roll them in wet J cloths, put them in a wee tray and keep them in the fridge. Absolutely brilliant. As far as growing the soft herbs, you probably need a little glass house or a greenhouse and you got to start you got to start them off inside anyway whether it's a garage or whatever but more than likely a wee greenhouse is ideal. As for perfect recipes then for basil, uh, we would have touched yeah, on a, one earlier on a Provencal <laughs> sauce earlier. I mean there basil is at its absolute best added at the very, very end of any dish that's that's tomato-based. So think bolognese okay. or lasagna, sauce provencal, you add it at the end, or just ratatouille. cold and raw. Ratatouille, brilliant as well. A tomato and basil soup is absolutely beautiful. I'll give you another one. If you're, uh, if you're shaking a few cocktails, oh yeah. so like if you're making a mojito, replace the mint with basil. Get away. So yeah, so a couple of limes into the end of a shake or a bit of brown sugar, then a handful of basil, Bit of tequila, hmm. give it a shake, away you go. Oh, give nice. you a new and by doing things like that with coriander or basil, it'll get you to understand the herb. Not that I'm saying you need to get hammered to understand the herb, but <laughs> do you know what I mean. But it helps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Prince Charles <laughs> talking away to your herb. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so another uh, episode in the can, and Philip, what a brilliant guest. He really, really enjoyable. And you did say to me he was going to be such an interesting character. Yeah, he's he's just the, the loveliest guy. I mean, ever ever since I joined the show, what, Down 13 the years ago, he's just been lovely 
to me and uh, really loves his food too. And that really came out. I never knew until today that his brother was a chef. He's never, never divulged that. that. No, never ever once. No. And uh, yeah, really insightful. I mean, there's so much about his career we never even got to touch on. You know what I mean? We got so engrossed in the restaurant in Aptran that we never even got into some of the other stuff that he used to do, the Jerry Kelly show. I think he was heavily involved in that, Was which is like the late, late show version up in Belfast that would used to be on a Friday nights up there. Huge program for anybody north of uh, the dubs. Do you know what I mean? But great guest, good guy. Yeah, it was brilliant to have him. So thanks for tuning in as always. And if you have any questions, we love hearing them in now. So we have a new email address and it's food at goaloudnow.com. So we make sure you get the questions in because I do think it brings another element to the show. So thanks very much as always and we'll talk to you next week. Dishing it out with Gary O'Hanlon and Gareth Mullins, a Go Loud original podcast. Subscribe for free on the Go Loud app and never miss an episode. Go Loud. Sounds better with us.